In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in August of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey. Howdy. This is going to be a fun one. (laughs) This is going to be a fun one. We're going to jump right in. Um, how you doing? You doing okay? Uh, I'm I'm fine. Yes. Thank okay. You. <laughs> we're gonna get back into the topic we were talking about in our previous episode. We uh, sort of left off with um, you had a message for Christians. Yes, and the message was please don't turn Jesus into a bully to try to coerce people into becoming Christians. That is such an unChristian thing in my mind, and such an unJesus thing. Um, but I'm going to expand that because I, it's not enough for me just to say something controversial like that for the Christians. I've got to, of course, you know, push it. <laughs> so we're going to get into eroticism. And the reason why is for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, because I'm horny all the time. You wouldn't figure that. The equipment doesn't work. That's new, but though, that... <laughs> isn't it? Isn't that new? I feel like we talked about this before and you weren't feeling horny all the time. I, I was horny then, too. Okay. I was being polite. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, no, that's no problem. Well, another thing too, I want people to know me a little bit before I go into my own horniness. Okay. Um, and also to explain that, you know, for men going through prostate cancer, it's, it's such a downer in that we tie our identity as men to our sexual prowess. And people, men with prostate cancer can no longer do that. Okay, we cannot make that assumption, but it doesn't. I have I, the good news is it doesn't change. I am every bit as randy as I was when I was eighteen. Okay, and that's kind of you know the the thing about I didn't realize this when I was eighteen, but I realize this now that that sexual drive is the drive of life. It's life itself, and it makes things sweet, whether you actualize it or not. Just the fact that I'm feeling sexual makes me feel like an, a being that's alive. Huh. It doesn't matter whether I have sex or not. That is not part of the equation. That's interesting. And I'm wondering if it is, if I, it's, I'm not identifying with it immediately because it's the difference between men and women. I think so. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, it's like Lenny Bruce said, uh, man, I don't know if I mentioned this on an early cast, but if you put a man and a woman on an island, the first a deserted island, right? First thing a woman's going to do is look for a place to put her clothes. The first thing a man's going to do is look for a place to put his dick. Okay, so there are those differences between men and women that you know sound stereotypical, sound you know however we want to put it, whether it's culture or or biology. I don't know. I think it's like probably a combination of both, but it is pretty much it's it's there. Okay. And to try to pretend like it's not to me doesn't do it doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Um, so given that, uh, now why do I bring up my randiness since this is about my journey to death? Because my randiness is tied to my spirituality and it's also tied to my dying. Because um, the good news is to people who are dying and people who have prostate cancer, it doesn't have to go away and there's no shame. There's absolutely no shame in it. Um, there was a nun who, uh, San Juan de la Cruz, St. John of the Cross, he was her confessor. And she wrote to him and she said, I have a confession to make. When the priest during mass 
raises the host for it to turn it into body and blood of Christ, the host and the wine. She says, I get erotically aroused. And she says, what's wrong with me? And San Juan proved just what a great saint he was by telling her, as goes the body, so, no, excuse me, as goes the soul, so goes the body. The reason why your body reacts that way is because your soul is so elated. He says, so don't worry about it. <laughs> he didn't tell her, you know, go flagellate yourself or, you know, you're evil or there's a demon or anything like that. He just said, don't worry about it. He said, that's, that, it's a perfectly natural thing that your body will react the way your soul reacts. And so I, I understand that more and more as this progresses, um, which is kind of pleasant because, you know, you, I, I am in some ways dropping things of the body off. But in other ways, that, that, that core part of me is still really intact. And I hope that that's a solace to the people who are going through this as well. Um, and the reason why I can say this is because I do know Christianity very well. Um, I know that St. Teresa of Avila, that she had a vision of an angel that came to her, a handsome angel now, handsome angel, mind you, appears to her with a golden arrow. And he jabs it into her abdomen again and again and again and again. <laughs> and, um, it doesn't take, you don't have to be Freud to figure out what's going on there. Mm. St. Catherine of Siena mentions her love of Jesus as a lover and says that he gave her a wedding ring and the wedding ring was his foreskin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, besides the grossness of it, um, they, you know, basically his penis, right? And yeah. that, was, that was their bond. And I've talked to nurses, not nurses, I've talked to nuns, and nuns wear wedding rings. And if you were to ask any, I, I promise you this, be real careful, do not ever ask a Catholic nun, um, you're, you don't really believe that you're married to Jesus, do you? You know, with a full-on marriage, you're liable to get the smack. Okay, because for them, it is bodily. It is not simply the soul, the body is involved. Okay, and the, I have no doubt that they may not talk about it, but there's an erotic component to it. Um, so hi, nuns. <laughs> hi to all the nuns out there. It's not, oh, I'm not giving away too many secrets. Uh, okay, <laughs> but, but that leads me to a question. Okay, sure. so the, the eroticism, the titillation is there. Uh, I want to know this about the nuns and you. Is there release? Um, with me, it's a constant. And um, I think I'm starting to understand women in a way because I've only understood orgasm in the way that a man, man has orgasm, right? Like at max 15 seconds. Okay. And, and then that's it, right? But for a woman, and I've watched women when I've had sex with them, orgasm just goes on and on and on and on i'm just like watching look, looking at that looking at the woman's face and going in some ways envious <laughs> you know? i wish that my orgasms went that way so i in my in my current state that's the way it's becoming i'm becoming in some ways more in turn in touch with that feminine understanding of of complete climax that never stops that continues and it's <laughs> tell you what it's, <laughs> it's not bad <laughs> it's sometimes it does feel like it is not going to stop and you're not mad at it oh yeah you ain't mad huh <laughs> i'm oh. mad at it 
Well, the last time I had sex, um, and I don't think the, I don't think my partner would mind if I said this. Um, the 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 orgasm that I felt went on for I would say a good five to ten minutes, if not longer, and it just did not stop because when you no longer have the equipment to get the release, that energy doesn't stop. Mm. It keeps on building and building and building and building, and it's I, I stopped when I was exhausted. <laughs> I stopped when I just didn't have the energy anymore. And that was, whew, I said, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's, there's this, there's this upside to the stage four thing. Oh. On, so. <laughs> I feel, uh, well, we don't need to talk about me. Well, so, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that you're getting to experience that. And I would, and I do want to add to this, that that's something a lot of women don't know is a product of menopause is that that becomes a, a much different. Uh, more satisfying experience really yes nobody i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why okay now you're I... giving away women's secrets <laughs> you, you might get kicked out of the club okay I, I mean you know there's lots of things that happen to a woman's body when you go through menopause that are good stand up and cheer don't we're, uh, we we don't have to procreate the earth to have value in this world so might as well celebrate it all because yeah, a lot of it is very, very good. And I'm really glad to hear that that is good for you. Well, the, I realized this today. I think I might have written it in on Facebook. Sex is life. I mean, in its best form, um, the fact that um, to, uh, so many Christian denominations, not just Christianity, this occurs in Islam and Judaism and other religions too. Sex is put under a vice literally okay both in terms of being something wrong and both in terms of being clamped um and the reason why i think that that's done is for power because if you can convince people that sex is somehow wrong or harmful or spiritually damaging then you've got them literally for the for the men you got them by the nuts okay and you can you can control them and get money from them and make them feel guilty then make them get the, the release of the confessional, right? Where, oh, I've been bad. I've been naughty. Oh, I'm going to tell you it all. There's an erotic component to that too. Mm. Don't doubt that when people go to confession and they confess their sins of, of, of like sexual nature, that they're getting, they're getting off. Maybe not physically in that moment, but they're getting uh, off. Well, mentally. God, hopefully. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. I've never been to confession. So, okay. Well, Michelle Foucault talks I'll about that. You. That's why I love Michelle Foucault so much. The, the philosopher. When he talks about the dynamics of power for the Catholic Church, he says the greatest dynamic of power comes through the confessional. Mm. And that manifests itself in the altar call, that manifests itself in however many ways that other denominations bring people literally to their knees out of guilt for something that they should not be feeling guilty about. Yeah. Well, look what missionaries did when they landed in Hawaii. They convinced the women that it was shameful. So they hogtied mm -hmm. the men through that. And yeah, and that is, was definitely a power move. Yes. So uh, let's then let's talk about you. you we uh, touched on this briefly in, briefly in the last episode that you have different messages or different ways of communicating with the different uh, you know your Irish Catholic friends and your Buddhist friends and your Muslim. Uh, what what did you mean by that? Okay, um, 
I try to be careful when I communicate with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. I try to make sure that I speak from my experience without telling them how they should be. I'll say, well, from what I see, this is how it works. Just so they know that I'm not telling them that they need to be this or they need to be that, because that's what a preacher will do. And that's why I'm critical of preachers, any preacher that does that. A good preacher does not, by the way, and I know I've known good preachers as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, with the groups, it's different, though. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's this community identity that I have with these groups, and I can speak to them as, as their brother uh, that from the common experiences that we've had as Marines, as lifeguards, as scholars, as whatever particular um, group persona I'm approaching it as an, as, an, as an Irish person, as a Muslim, as, you know, whatever. So uh, each of those messages will be different and it'll be tailored and probably using the language of those groups. And it'll include rude things that, that when you're a Marine, for example, it is expected that at some point you're going to say something rude. You're going to say something, you know, scandalous. You're going to say something sexual. Because we do that, we find it funny. Same thing with lifeguards. Oh my God, rugby people are the worst. Um, so um, that that's, that would be part of my message too. So if if we if we go down this path, and I do give each of these groups, uh, you know, um, a message, then you can expect a lot of humor. You can expect me to say something outrageous, because that's what we do. If you're truly a member of the group, you can say something to somebody that would be completely inappropriate outside of that context. Mm. And that also includes my relationship with the dying. I have a dear friend who is literally dying and it's a race between him and me as to which of us will go first. And it brings me great sorrow. Um, and I will say the rudest things. He'll say, well, I'm feeling terrible today. I said, I don't want any excuses about you trying to bail before me. That's not gonna happen. I'll, I'll, I will say completely inappropriate things. Well, this feels bad and I'll, and I'll make a joke about it that nobody else could make because you know, when you're in that thing, you, you're allowed. He's also a Marine, so there's that aspect of it as well. So, mm. you know, big shout out to Eric. Hello, Eric. Oh. <clears throat> um, I do uh, want to backtrack for just a moment and tell you that I take great umbrage with the idea that a woman stranded on a desert island, the first thing she's <laughs> going to do is look for a closet. <laughs> she's going to look for survival <laughs> the man yeah. is going to look for where to put his dick the woman is going to actually worry about their survival All right start the fire um find food um yeah um i agree that that, that, that was lenny bruce okay so that, that, uh, that, was a, okay. that was a joke by lenny bruce so yeah oh that makes sense that makes sense uh, and i'm glad you said that he was a product of his time too. Oh, you know, Mickey, I was not going to let that go. <laughs> good, good. Hey, hold my feet to the fire. Yep, absolutely. So do you feel like um, you, like in the last episode, you said you want Christians to know that um, Jesus is not a bully, that it, it's, it, um, uh, and that the, the, 
something about the, the beauty of the uh, of the cry or maybe that's what I said the beauty of the Christ is what you have to look forward to not the bully would, would you have a different message for people in your Buddhist community yes um in the Buddhist community it is so male driven there is absolutely no reason why a monk should have more respect than a nun and unfortunately in most of the Buddhist world that's the way it is um, there, there are nuns that write, there are nuns that are known, but that's a fairly recent phenomenon in terms of numbers. You can, you can look back in Buddhist scripture and you can find nuns you know, making their mark. You can find women making their mark. But at the same time, you can also find uh, that the Buddha was approached to let there be an order of nuns, not just an order of monks. And he said, if you do this, you will destroy the Dharma. So there's a sutra out that basically says how what a bad catastrophe it was for women to have their own orders. And Buddhism is based on the idea that out of the entire population, certain people will be ready to take the next step towards enlightenment and the community should support them. That's what the monasteries are. They're helping those people make that next step for the benefit of us all. Okay, and okay. as as controversial as that may sound to a lot of people, it actually does seem to work in some societies that this is a good thing, this is a beneficial thing. Um, but what is not good is that it is so sexist. I would tell them, don't buy into the sexism. I would not say, however, I, I taught a group of um, Korean nuns and, and monks, and my respect for them is unbounded their knowledge their the way that they handle themselves they were living the life they were living the dharma and they respected me for my knowledge because i have a scholarly knowledge of it i don't necessarily have their experiential but i have a scholarly knowledge of, of what they what they've done and to a small degree as kind of a, a wild card maybe i have some but i have not undergone the discipline and so i cannot claim to have the kind of insight that they have that's that's just no i can't that, that's not for me to claim um, so I, I, I will not put down the Sangha or the brotherhood and say that it's evil or it's corruptive or whatever. No, but I will say that the Sangha needs to, um, open up. What about, I know we have a limited amount of time, but I'm going to ask a big question anyway. If someone who is practicing Buddhism finds out that they are dying tomorrow, what do you want them to know? I would tell them that everything you've been taught should be coming to fruition for you. Because the, what Buddhism teaches you is that everything that we're given in this life can be taken away. It is all temporary. This world is a bubble and it can pop at any moment. Um, what do you call it? The, uh, the unreliability. The only thing that the Buddhism says, the only thing that you can trust is the Dharma, the teachings. Because life itself is going to be nothing but disappointments. Desires will lead you down to unhappiness. And the sooner you can see that and reconcile yourself with um, who you are and the universe that you live in, then you can see the beauty that exists because there is beauty and that can, that can see you through, through everything, through disaster, through deaths, through divorces, through everything that you go through. I didn't really realize Buddhism was so patriarchal 
I guess it, I, when, I, when I think about it, it never occurred to me that we're not hearing from a lot of women there. But, and I'm sure that there will be people that will disagree. And I will say, hmm. okay, bring forth your evidence. I say, I want to see it. If there's been a significant, a significant shift like that, please do show me. I wonder, is that, does any one of your religions give you more comfort now than another? More and more condomble. Hmm. The African religion, because it puts you direct, in the, in the rituals, you are directly, and cheek to jowl, you are right there with people who are manifesting spirits. And they become a reality in your life. And there's life and death because you are doing animal sacrifices. The lifeblood of these animals is used to summon them and to bring them forth. Um, and of course, you eat the food too. So it's, it's, not, it's not totally waste. But um, yeah, so um, that one is, is really, really touching me because I remember the moments when I saw that, when I saw people go manifest the spirits, when I saw them go into trance. And yeah, that, that, that is, and it's so joyful. People are clapping, people are dancing, people are shouting. People are singing the songs. It's, 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 it's a party. That the, the, their word for their public rituals is festa, which mm -hmm. is the Portuguese word fiesta, which is party. Uh, where can people get more information on Candomblé? Well, there's a book by a man by the name of Ogunike who looks at Sufism and Yoruba religion because Candomblé is based mostly on Yoruba uh, on West Africa. He has, got, he has a book on those two traditions that I think would really help because there's a, I can see also in Condomble a significant Muslim influence. Oh, interesting. But then again, like with St. John of the Cross and with St. Teresa, there's also a Muslim influence in the eroticism of Christianity of those two saints. Because Islam with Sufism was already exploring that eroticism. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to wrap us up. Uh, thank you very much for the conversation, Mickey, being you. Sure. Aloha. Aloha. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.